0: Dear Shooter, do you place any thought to medical gear and training? Do you have a med kit and know I'm not talking band-aids and spit on a Kleenex? Where do you keep it? We have an expert that will open your eyes. Be safe. You are not safe and you are not sacred and you're both time
1: Built for comfort, not for speed.
2: Yeah, that's uh, actually on my online profile. It, yeah, is that Farmer's uh, Only? Built, yeah, Farmer's Only, built for comfort, not for speed. More of a husk of arno than a harlot.
0: I can hide
1: one under there. On what?
2: I don't want to know. This is your scooter, so it's going to
3: be
1: everything for you. Yeah, I know exactly what he's am Trying to help the listeners out. here. Some of them are going, fucking right. what? <laughs> that's <there> a dead heart
0: moment. Well, when you do a fact, there is no question, though. It, it,
3: Nobody right. even, yeah, but I didn't even get agreement. You guys are all staring at me like I have a third hey. eye. Welcome to the Peer Shooter podcast. Peer Shooter is brought to you by WyoTech, empowerment through self-reliance. And by Lucid Optics, on target, under budget. Good Thursday morning. We are gonna confuse the hell out of you guys today because we have Jason Cubed and Brandy. The J is silent. Uh, we're we're speaking with Jason Colander today, and we're gonna talk about medical. So,
2: you with us, Jason? I am with you.
1: All right. So, medical's the topic, right? Mm-hmm. Why is the medical training important, and what is the gear that's essential? But before we get into all that, give our listeners just a quick synopsis of who you are and why the words that come out of your mouth are relevant. Ha <laughs>
2: <laughs> No pressure. No, I love it. So my name is Jason Collender. I am the owner of Retin-1 and the creator of the WMT. Uh, basically, after 20 years of law enforcement service here in the state of Alaska, I wanted to uh, try to enjoy retirement, which didn't happen, because for those of you, obviously, in this podcast that know me, I don't do well sitting still. Uh, So I designed and created a bracket system that holds a tourniquet in place that you could hard mount to any hard surface or even if you choose to mount it on a weapon system to where now you have the go-to medical aid in shutting off blood flow and giving you time back on the clock to get to medical services to get to a hospital.
1: Okay. So, so the, it's the safe brain... to say real quick that you've seen more than a paper cut.
2: The, the, this is correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yes, I have. Um, it's, 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 it was interesting to me as the, it went from conceptual idea to actually, you know, uh, drawings to actual design work to getting the product done, getting submitted for patent, the whole nine yards, everything. But the driving force behind it was as, I talked to people, whether it be venues, um, uh, out and about hanging with, with old friends or meeting new ones. It always seemed like the general consensus was unless you had some higher level of training that if you needed a tourniquet, well, everybody, well, I'll just use the belt that I'm wearing. And honestly, belts are designed to hold up your pants, which they do a really good job of unless you're a plumber, but I, I can't help you with that. You know, it is what it is. So, Knowing this, it's like there has to be, you know, a a better option. Well, one of the things which I personally experienced um, is in the moment of an emergency, having to remember, you know, where is your stuff, um, the time that it takes to get to your, your medical equipment to retrieve it itself. Then once you become stationary next to the emergency, what time are you using to go through your equipment to retrieve what is needed? Um, and it just, the, the more I began to put all these factors in place, it, it just was like, there, there needs to be a, a better option available. And so why not create one? Um, even talking with medical professionals of today's, uh, day and age, they put out there, you know, back in the, in the seventies, eighties and nineties, the, the old thought process behind everything was if you use a tourniquet, you will lose the limb, but you'll save the life.
3: We still see that, that today. And it, and it there. makes me crazy. You know, current current medical professionals, I'll run into to emergency room nurses that freak out because I carry a tourniquet on my ankle.
2: Yep, exactly. And I've with some I, I ran into that where they were like, "Well, you don't realize how much more of a of a hassle it creates for us when trying to treat the injury." And I'm like, um. If it's anything from a brachial to a femoral, even a nick, and you're gonna complain because they have a tourniquet on, maybe I need a, a different medical provider because you have to shut that blood flow off. the The brain will always, when you introduce that kind of trauma into the body, the brain will always send, you know, the, w- what is needed to that affected area via the heart, which is pump as much blood to that wounded area to create a clot to stop the bleeding. Right. And tourniquets are designed to not only shut off blood flow, but actually shut down a pulse to that affected appendage, that affected limb, to where the brain goes, okay, forget about sending blood there. Send it to the two main components, which is the brain and the heart. Right. And you... that's what gets you that time back on that clock that you need.
3: Right, because you got to protect, command, and control. And you've only got so the, much of that fluid go. in you. I mean, we, we uh,
2: th- th- this is correct. I you mean, we've got so much. Right.
3: One, one of the things that we kind of joke about when we when we're teaching our medical classes and stuff, we, we always say, you know, look, everybody stops bleeding eventually. And it's true. It's always kind of said in a little bit of a lighthearted thing. But the fact is, you want to shut that blood flow off as quickly as possible, because without it, we die.
2: Yes. And, you know, a, a lot of misconceptions uh, about about bleed out out there is that, oh, yeah. OK, well, two to three minutes before I bleed out. OK, that that's accurate. But you have to understand the time frame that you are in is very compressed on when you lose consciousness. Right. The bleed out is going to happen whether you're awake for it or you're not. If you don't shut off that blood flow.
3: Well, and if you that's a, why If if you've got a femoral artery and you have clean cut that thing you're talking 45 seconds it's not Uh, it's not three minutes yeah
2: no exactly and so that's part of part of the education process that comes with with you know tourniquet use and the fact that it's you know carrying a tourniquet with you is not cumbersome. It's not something that's going to constantly get in your way. There's lots of options of how to carry them. You know, you yourself, you know, carry one on your ankle. Uh, and I I will never first and foremost ever say that our bracket system is the only way to carry a tourniquet. No. It definitely gives you another option, especially when it comes to potentially when you're on the clock due to that emergency and due to that that blood loss, knowing where it is hard-mounted, means you can get directly to it retrieve it and start you whether it be self-application or application on someone else but yeah most of the misconception that i get from people is that well you know all the all the veins will will basically just collapse in whatever you know body part you know, appendage i have the tq on and then they're going to have to just cut that limb off and it's like in today's day and age for for modern medicine they do all kinds of stuff when it comes to veins whether it's reinflating them or pulling them from other parts of your body to replace them with they can get it done. So the the old teachings, you know, 70s, 80s, and 90s that you'll lose the limb is 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 truly just not really the case anymore. Uh, it's it, that's just that's old school myth. And the other one that gets me though more than anything is so every 15 minutes I should undo the tourniquet, right? No, no, and absolute never and when, because once, now the brain can say,
3: yeah, exactly. You leave
2: it. Yeah, yeah. If you if you release the the windlass out of, out of the clamp, and you allow the brain to go, oh, I need to send as much blood as I can. That affected area is is still in need of a clot that I have to form. That's what the body, the brain is going to tell the body to do. It's well, going to send all that blood flow, and you're back to square one.
3: Right. And I think and I think the record now because they you know they talk about time that the tourniquet is applied. I think the record now is is somewhere a, a little bit over 18 hours of a tourniquet applied and in place before that that victim got placed into a trauma center and with with no limb loss with no uh, nervous system problems you know everything was okay
1: so guys before we get too lost in the weeds here um let's bring this back to why is this relevant to a deer shooter podcast right We, we talk about shooting sports we talk about firearms education um at the end of the day we are all agreeing that there is a potential that going and doing what we do on a daily basis, somebody may get shot, right? Mm-hmm. So Correct. the importance of medical training and medical gear, back to the initial you know, topic of the thing, is where do we place medical training as a priority in our education journey?
3: Number one or number two? I mean, it's got to be. I, it's got to be at tied, the freaking top.
0: Tied for one.
3: Yeah, I, I, I
2: got to say, it, it's it. It has to be tied for one. If you're going to be a firearms owner, whether it be for for sport, for hunting, uh, for tactical purposes, whatever, then the medical side training of the house it has to be completely equal. Okay. It just so, because w- one with the other, it's it, it's a necessity. Just complete necessity.
1: And if I'm hearing you correctly, I'm that new guy standing at the gun counter, going, you know. I've had some shady shit happen in my neighborhood recently. I'm going to pick up a gun. And mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I go through that process, navigate it legally, and now I'm a brand new firearms owner. Right? So mm-hmm. you're telling me the next thing on my mind as I go home to admire this thing before I even know what kind of ammunition I'm putting in it is I need to learn some medical.
2: Yes. Absolutely.
1: Okay. So that's a mind shift nope, nope. to what Nobody we normally Nobody plans see.
2: the accidents. Yep. Right. And and yeah, correct. It is. Most new gun owners
1: they want to go to the range and shoot the gun, so their first you know focus is on ammunition, right? Mm -hmm. Finding a range to go play at. But I'm hearing that we should look for the band aids the moment we get the knife.
3: Well, we we talked about this in another podcast. If if your firearms instructor where you go and you get your instruction, if they're not talking about medical, you should probably find another instructor. Yep.
0: Well, and look and at I'm, where, I'm, where we live. Like, Jason's in Alaska. We're in Wyoming, mm-hmm. which is basically Alaska further south. Correct. And <laughs> your medical response time, some of the places we go and we shoot, we hunt, we camp, ambulances do not show up. And a lot of times if you're forested, they're not sending a chopper either. So you have to get repaired enough for your buddies to carry you to a place that you can mm-hmm. be picked up. How long does that take?
2: Yep. Well, the, the standard is, response time yeah. of, within a suburban neighborhooded area, that that has you know road accessibility and everything, you know, here for Alaska is anywhere between that that fifteen to twenty five or even thirty five minutes. And that's about that's a lot at. of. And that's a lot of time. Now, if like what Brandy was stating, I completely agree upon. You throw in whether you hunt, fish, hike, camp, whatever you always go to what? Get away from people. So you go remote. Nobody does any of those things right next to a hospital. Right. It it just doesn't go down that way. So having that, that remoteness, that peace and quiet, that's what we're after. We get that. But the responsibility factor is if you're going to go and do those things, you're traveling obviously with a firearm when you go and do those things, you need to have a proper medical kit that goes with you as well. And I'm not talking about this the commercialized store bought, pick your name of your store, you know, insert here, whatever, the boo-boo care kit thing. That's that's not an actual true first aid kit. Oh okay. bought our for hospitals kid, like
0: that.
2: Your 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 kid falls off the, off the swing at the playground or or you know something of that nature. That's what those things are designed for. You know, most of them you open them, they've got band-aids, they've got ointment, you might get a space blanket and then you get three pages on how to put on um the, the medical gloves that's, that, that's, that's basically what you've got that's
0: a medical kit that's first aid that's basic basic first aid like skin
1: right well that's a good point brandy yep. i mean if we're talking about where do i start my training journey right we're talking about education side of it right we're putting priority on medical at the same time as firearms training right so yep. having the kit is a huge step forward because most of us don't even know what goes in a proper trauma kit let alone how to right. use the stuff that's in it. So where do we start? What's our first step in training?
2: Well, like, it, it, something that, that I know that Corrado will speak to this as well, is it's almost hand-in-hand. Like, when you purchase a firearm, begin to look and research on getting formal, solid, certified training on that firearm. Are we talking... Don't go and think that because you watch movies or or you watch you know how-to videos and this, that, and the other. Go with someone you where this is where it comes into play where you have to lay your ego down. You know, you have to play the humility card to where you're willing to go and get trained by another individual that has more training and is a squared away trainer that wants to provide that training for you so that way you can get proficient in that weapon that you bought. The same thing also applies when it comes to you know, first aid or basically medical tactical style medical equipment. And one of the things that I always tell people in, in when I do venues and stuff across uh, the state is I always tell them, turn around and lean on your your local or your state law enforcement when it comes to medical equipment, because the majority of those individuals have, because they have to, they receive medical training, not basic first aid, but beyond that, Go and ask them. If anything, they will point you in the right direction. Not to mention there's a lot of state and city municipal uh, police departments or even fire departments that actually provide beyond just and and I'm not going to bash it because Stop the Bleed is it is it is a good program. But to advance beyond that and get into more of the tactical side of of medical and everything, you know, looking at, uh, like Corrado knows, is the the TENS course, so Tactical Emergency Medical Services, or whatever it is your, your local police department may have actually been a part of or been certified in, help basically go to them to where they can help point you in the right direction on a really solid good program to get under your belt for knowledge.
3: First of all, don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby.
2: <laughs> it's there, signed, sealed, and delivered. <laughs>
3: but we, uh, so so, Wyotech teaches a basic trauma course, and it, and okay. essentially it's stop the bleed plus. Um, because we right. looked at we so looked so it's at, not
2: basic. N- well, it's truly not. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot because it's not basic. It, you it, know that
3: it's not it's not basic first aid. It's it's basic trauma aid, uh, right. and there and there's a distinction there. Like you were talking. But what we did was we looked at the Stop the Bleed course, and mm-hmm. it falls short because one of the things that Stop the Bleed doesn't even talk about uh, chest seals. Correct. That's kind yep. of an important thing. Um, uh, it's
2: a very important thing. You yep. know,
3: they don't, they don't talk about impaled objects. They don't talk about compound fractures. There's, there's some things that happen on a fairly regular basis that they don't even talk about that, that people mm-hmm. need to know. The idea behind it was we wanted to do a basic trauma course, get people interested and bring in someone like like you, like Caleb Cossey of Lodestar Medics, uh right. you know, Carrie Davis of Dark Angel. Mm-hmm. Get them interested enough that we could put enough people together to bring in the absolute experts to teach a one day, two day course that's going go. to be yeah. very definitive and very in depth for our students.
2: No, that that to me is something towards that type of of knowledge base coming together as a whole to provide, you know, a a, a teachable and resourceful style education platform within that that tactical medical side, that true trauma care side. It's, it's to say it's a necessity is kind of like an understatement. Um, you know, I to to not have because I there's a seriousness that has to come with obviously not only with firearms, firearms training, same thing on on the medical side and medical equipment. Um, But to also like to help keep this stuff a little on the lighthearted side, it, it always blows me away. How some of the excuses that someone throws out there when it comes to purchasing quality and that it, and i'm not going to get into this this you know uber high-end i'm just saying quality medical proven to work equipment a lot of people just go ah well i can use a stick and a handkerchief or a shoelace and a stick and about so why we need that so i i i always pack up and i go okay so tell you what different different side of the coin what kind of weapons platform are you running and so then they tell me oh well you know i've got this 900 dollars handgun and I've got this this1,500 rifle, and i I've, I've got this you know 450 dollar backpack and these 350 dollar boots that I wear, and this is what I wear to go hunting, but to drop 30 bucks on on like a quality tourniquet, it's just it, it makes no sense to them so and so, so you so my head <laughs> so
3: you're telling me I shouldn't get the uh 1999 10 pack of tourniquets from Amazon.
2: The Amazonians, I would not only say please don't, but run from. As you and I, in person, actually at the the last uh, Lucid Optics uh, Ballistic Summit that we attended together, uh, I even showed that uh, to a lot of individuals. One of those super cheap, yeah, I can save my money knockoffs, and how the windlass folds over itself. Mm -hmm. So you're you're. You're, you're not actually gaining anything by having that now I, I've had people before comment saying well that's one way to thin the herd well, okay all right <laughs> you know if you, you want to go el Cheapo on on your medical stuff you're, you're that's what you're gonna get uh, but I can tell you right now in the face of an emergency and especially uh the, the worst kind which is not so much self-infliction of, of of a medical emergency but when you're dealing with a loved one the last thing that you want literally on your conscience is you're trying to save and the junk that you saved all that money on fails. That's the last thing you want on your conscience. Uh, uh, so I, mean, and,
3: I think you and I would agree that a $250 medical kit is pretty cheap insurance.
2: It, it, it's, it, when you compare it to to what that can actually do. Uh, which obviously you know ev- everyone that's a part of this podcast knows and understands you know certain key components you know in a trauma kit that matter and matter most two hundred and fifty even three hundred bucks whatever it's it's a it's a no brainer it's a drop in the hat so i mean it
3: let let's let's throw out a plug here um sure, so I get my medical gear i i've got i've got three places that I typically source now if i'm buying a full kit. Typically I'm gonna look at Dark Angel. Um, yep. I'll also yep. look at North American Rescue, Chinook right. Medical. Yep. Up there. Yep. Um, Chinook. Yep. Mountain Man Medical. Okay. Those are the places that I'm gonna look for my med gear. Is there is there anywhere else that, that you're buying from?
2: No, because you've named two of of the top main ones. Um, For our bracket system, I actually did all my design specifications built off of the cat. So we we partnered with and run North American Rescue. We're running their Gen 7 cat tourniquets uh, currently right now. That's that's
3: exactly what I run in my med classes,
1: is the the Gen 7 cat.
2: um, They're 100% made in America, and I put that out there because uh, they are quality. They're one of the higher TQs rated on the market right now. They're the same TQ that is issued to all our U.S. military men and women. grotto uh, as you just stated, you run those exclusively, you know, obviously in, in your classes when you guys provide that that trauma training. Um, you know, Chinook also, I have to give a shout out to them. Theirs are 100% made in America as well, uh, which is important. Um, it just – I – I cringe when people tell me, oh, I, I don't need tourniquets. I, I got like what you just said earlier. I got a bundle pack off Amazon. It was, it was 20 bucks. I'm good. And I just, man, everything in me just, it, it stings because it's just like, wow, you you went cheap. All, all the other gear that you use, I mean, and, and, and let's get away from the whole, let's get away from the, the hunting and the and the fishing and the, and the camping. All, let, I'd love to jump down the lane of the guys that go ATV, guys and gals that go. HV, whether it's it's side-by-sides, four-wheelers, whatever. You're spending thousands and thousands of dollars on those machines. They get more expensive every year. I think all they do is change colors, but they get more expensive every year. And yet you get people that don't think about a true trauma kit. What happens when you get in a wreck on those machines? Is it ever like, oh, I, I bumped into a stump when I was backing up? 99% Ninety-nine percent of the time, it's it's bad, because when you're going, you go all out. That's what those machines are designed to do: go and go fast.
3: Well, and and, and, yet, and Wilson, you you had a guy walk up to you at shot, um, for a warranty, because he had rolled his machine.
1: Yeah, he was doing the Moab um, Jeep crawl, and
3: he oh, uh, geez Louise, rolled
1: his machine. That, that's, that's extreme on another level. Got ejected Ooh. from his Jeep. And wow. his jeep rolled another three hundred feet. Everything <laughs> in the jeep was out of the jeep.
2: Oh yeah, um, exactly. And
1: strewn like a yard show, out, you know, out along the trail. And right. yeah, he he had not horribly damaged the optic, but it was not like it was when I when I gave it to him new. <laughs> and just hearing the story and where he took the gear. I mean, I, I'm proud to have customers that take the gear and go and do. And he was super cool about it. So we, we, I replaced it on the spot. But the idea awesome. is when you wreck a vehicle like that, you wreck it badly. Yep.
2: Yes. Well, and, and
1: considering, he, considering you have a med kit, right. And no.
3: considering what he did to the equipment,
2: I mean, he was lucky. I mean, he, he,
3: he walked away from it. Great.
2: Yeah. There there's that's yeah, there's, but, there's the blessing and the luck factor. right? But there, there, there was a potential
3: he like could have been seriously injured or killed.
2: Yeah. The
1: ability for him to stand in front of me and say, hey, this got screwed up. Can you help me? That was a blessing in all in itself. But guys, I I can buy a helicopter. That doesn't mean I can fly it. Right. All the trauma gear that you can put in a bag. I mean, no matter what brand name is on it, really is just trinkets unless you know what you're doing with it.
2: Yep. Yep. You have to be able to. Again, take the ego out of it and instead be like, well, I watch a couple of YouTube videos. I'm good. Go and get formal training with it. Learn that hands on, especially you, you guys. Any, you guys understand, obviously, but anybody that that may be listening to this that's questioning, well, you know, how do I really know if it's truly good training? Guaranteed, uh, if if you're in a class and next thing you know, they're taking you to a, a different room, you end up on your knees. There is a, a huge, you know, a full sheet. Uh, aluminum foil pan sitting on the ground with a massive beef shank and uh it's got a huge hole in it and they're saying get a tourniquet on this thing right now and they're pumping stage blood all over your hands while you're trying to get a tourniquet on there i it it, it is a bit of an eye opening experience but you're also rest assured you're probably getting some better training than just sitting at home and watching youtube videos because you're going hands-on with stuff and you're going to see and feel how how easy things are and how difficult things are in the moment. And I've been uh, you know, through I,
1: both. I've I've been through death by a PowerPoint, and right. some some very light you know hands on um, you know theatrics, and I've been right. through actual um, stop it with a like a beef shank or a goat lab, and I'll tell okay. you there's there's no pressure like slippery blood and a, somebody yelling at you with a clock saying you're running out of time.
2: Yep, to exactly. make you realize They're you right have to know what
1: to you. you're doing and be able to handle the gear because yep. seconds matter.
0: Well, and yep. you can go and take the class and feel confident, but I'm here to tell you, you're going to want to do it again. It may not be in six months, but say every year, every two years, oh, do I, it again. If you don't use it, you're losing it. It's
1: perishable.
2: Yeah, no, it, it, it is perishable. Totally agree. I would say, you know, at, at a minimum, I, I do concur with Brandy on that, a minimum is once a year. And I also try to explain to individuals whenever they're asking me, you know, concerning like tourniquets and things like that. I always tell them, do not keep the knowledge base that you get. Don't keep it to yourself. You, you need, especially if, you, if you're, you're blessed enough to be a member of a family, train everyone in the family as well. I mean, whether you look at North American Rescue, you know, uh, Chinook, all those, they sell trainer TQs that are not designed for field use. They are designed for training purposes only. And guess what? they won't break your bank to order one of those either. I mean, I think top end out there is I think $45 maybe is the, like the one of the more higher priced ones I've seen. Uh, I think North American Rescue they're running I think the blue trainers are maybe <laughs> 34, 35 bucks tops. Yep.
3: They're they're, they're about 34. Now, now yeah, now
2: it, the whole family can literally like figure out what this is about, you know, and, 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 understanding how it's supposed to go on and, and the whole application process. And then when it's on and it's on correctly, how you leave it on, you don't, you don't mess with it. You know, when it's an actual one, um, I do have to throw this out there because there's, there's a little bit of humor in it, but there's a reason why I'm putting it out there is because it has been done before. If you find yourself <laughs> in an emergency situation to where there's that kind of trauma introduced to the body, you've got massive blood loss going on and you use a tourniquet. You, you save the person because they get to a medical provider, or whatever. That tourniquet is designed as a one time use. Please don't get this thing, run it through your dishwasher or put it with <clears throat> your laundry thinking that you are saving yourself some bucks because you can use it again down the road when the next emergency or accident happens. Well, and, and typically,
3: <laughs> it's, it's, if, if you're buying from a from a reputable retailer, um, you know, we talked correct. about Dark Angel, Chinook, North American Rescue, most of those guys have a policy that if you have a legit save and you send them yep. proof of it, they will replace they your will gear. They will
2: replace it for free.
3: Now, yes. let, let me back up a little bit. Um, you know, we, we've really focused on the tourniquets,
1: mm-hmm.
3: gloves, um, I think is, is something that gets severely overlooked, um, because mm-hmm. let's face it, if it's wet and icky and not yours, you should be putting gloves on and that should be the first thing true. that you do when you get on scene. Correct. Now, let me, let yep. me throw something else out with gloves because a lot of, a lot of these kits are coming with the black tactical gloves, Right. Um, mm-hmm. those are not the best option. If you're getting gloves, get the blue nitrile. And the reason for that is blood does not show up on black.
1: Well, Correct. And and funny story about gloves. I don't know if it's superstition or what, but for a long time, I would be first on scene in a horrific car accident two or three times a year. Um, okay. I had an uncanny knack for coming up on these things. And, Relating one of these stories one night to Brandy, and she very pointedly insulted me and goaded me into putting a box of gloves in my truck. So I humor her because you you don't tell Brandy no, but at the (laughs) end of the day, um, since I put the box of gloves in the console of my truck, I have not come across one incident. So I don't know if it's just simple possession of the gloves keeps you safe, but... Um, yes, there you go. Get a set of gloves, get a box of gloves, whatever,, yep. and have them at hand
2: uh and honestly when it comes to certain components inside of trauma kits, one tourniquet you're you're very much limiting yourself two, three, or more is always better because you don't know truly what it's gonna take to shut off the blood flow on top of that. One pair of gloves. I'm sorry, but anybody that's ever messed around with game meat or anything, and you've got glove like the, those style gloves on, what happens every now and then? Finger just shoots right through it, right? <laughs> Having more than one pair, yeah. Especially if you end up with multiple people on scene that want to assist. Hey, there's a box of gloves right there. Glove up. I need you right here doing this, doing that. So, but, I mean, it's
1: what else is in your kit? More the merrier. I mean, we, tourniquets, yes, but what else is there? Gloves and hemostatic go gauze. Gauze. There all you right. Go.
2: Now, there is a difference between true hemostatic combat gauze or the gauze that you would put over a boo-boo that happened, you know, doing something simple around the house. I mean, so, Corrado, I'll, I'll throw this in, into your room real quick. On hemostatic-style combat gauze, that is designed to do what?
3: So it, it, it's going to help you clot. Um And, and, and it, you've, got, you've got two basic brands that you're dealing with. You've got the Cell locks and you've got the Quick Clot. Um, yep. Between the two of them, I don't know that one's better than the other. I think it's preference. Now, I, I've I have noticed with the cell locks that the gauze itself has a tendency to be a little bit stiffer, so I kind of prefer the quick clot just because it's easier to use. Um, Correct. Now, here's the thing: a lot of and, and this is a myth that we have to bust in a lot of our classes because it used to be that the the clotting agent that they use in these hemostatics used to burn. And it was mm-hmm. because they, they used a chemical. Now that right. has since been replaced, I think it was two thousand thirteen that they completely replaced all this. So you're not seeing this anymore. Yeah. What it was, they're, yeah, it was early teens. Yeah, yeah. What they're what they're using now is a diatomaceous earth. Um, so right. they're using these these crushed up crustacean skeletons. And um it, it helps in the clotting process. But one thing that people have to understand because the first question you always get is well I have a seafood allergy. Well th- these have been sterilized. They don't have they they don't have exactly. the, the the chemical components that that triggers the allergy. So that's not an issue anymore. And You're it doesn't not burn a cup
2: of, of clam chowder in your open wound. That that's not going to happen. Right.
3: And and they don't burn no. anymore.
2: Um right. Uh, the The fact that I mean, it, uh, and so many people, when you mention just the name quick clot, first thing that was, comes to mind is they're thinking because of a lot of things they've seen, obviously, Hollywood movies and stuff is it's a powder and you're supposed to pour it into. And that is no longer the case. It, it's a membrane coating that is on that gauze. And with everything else, the just said that it's designed to help form that clot to shut off that 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 blood loss. And and a lot of people are like, well, I, I would prefer the. powder and i'm sitting there going when they say that i usually go well you you probably have never been exposed to either first and foremost uh second of all uh, the one of the bigger reasons why they moved away from the powder is because when uh, that powder goes into that deep inset style wound that stuff all has to be actually removed for the body once it's being treated by a medical provider that it and if it, it has adhered that means it has to be cut away that's exactly So that means right. all of that stuff has to be removed whether, and I'm not talking about a light scrubbing with an iodine brush, which would make you pretty much yell at your own mother. No, I'm talking about, they would have to cut away the damaged flesh that that quick clot has adhered to in order to get to fresh to where that can start the whole, you know, finish out, clean out process. And sew you back together. So you can start healing. And so it's quick clot is more. Now it's set as designed as a membrane to where it, it, focuses on helping form that clot but at least when it's removed it comes away with the gauze that it's attached to right. uh, you know it it just it, it boggles the mind of how some people like well i would still would rather prefer the powder and i'm like whew. okay well in nine times out of ten you're probably that same person that when you go to open the quick clot because maybe you're the one that's injured is you're going to use your mouth to try and tear open that pouch with a powder good luck to you so i'd like <laughs> to bring
0: up that there was this uh med kit and i'm not going to mention names because i know them um they talk about getting things out of a wound when you get to the hospital what doctors have to deal with these people were putting tampons in their medical kit to stop uh. bleeds okay well here's a problem first of all what do you carry did you get shot with a 22 or a 308 because that's a junior size or an ultra and mm-hmm. the fibers this they leave in your system horrific and then mm-hmm. you know when they get filled with blood, they swell. That's how they work. Of So now yep. you're gonna cramp. So you should take mydol with you. I mean,
1: <laughs> tampons you just are just a bad it right idea. On the,
2: just just tape it right on the side. <laughs> just put the mydol right on
1: the and, side. <laughs> do, do you have to put a, like a, a time and date stamp on that when it went in? Yeah,
0: but you gotta write it real small because that string isn't very big.
1: Uh, if, on the if, string. If, if, Oh, well, that's and, a whole and, new dimension of screwed and, up. And
3: here's the thing, because people, I, I've, I've actually had people argue and advocate for tampons. And their thing is, well, I, it plugs the hole. Yes, it plugs the hole, but it doesn't stop the leak. No, no and I, it I've had people fibers.
2: tell me to my face, they're called bullet hole pluggers. And I'm like, no. Wow. Can,
1: can you back it <laughs> up really? with some Flex Seal tape?
0: Do you know what a surgeon <laughs> has to go through? All those fibers <laughs> come off that thing. A surgeon has to go remove all that, or that's in your system.
1: Well, it's an infection waiting to happen. And the scented and, and ones. Most
2: men, most men wonder why women are so grumpy during this time of the month. Hello, so. Champons
3: belong in your gun bunny, not your med kit.
1: That's a good quote.
2: Uh, just, there that's you go. intro There's an a T-shirt. There's right a t-shirt. There. <laughs> 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 no, it it literally it just it crushes me. I mean, I I will not speak of who the individual is, but I've had somebody show me before how he took a standard. Dish sponge and cut it into small cubes and then vacuum sealed it because that's what he's going to stuff into potential wounds if need be. And I'm like, whoa, we're never going anywhere together.
0: Like dish sponge, (laughs) like the one with the scratchy side?
2: Well, his, I mean, he thought at least to not have the green, you know, scratchy side of his, but he cubed and cut sponges and then compressed them with. A vacuum sealer and that's what he packs as part of his trauma kit i'm like you're gonna jam a sponge in there he put a okay. lot
1: of time and effort into a horrible it's, idea
2: exactly which i'm like have you ever just thought about i don't know, like a spigot maybe instead Did you just plug it in the hole turn it on turn it off i don't know what should be easier now but to yeah, to be
3: fair and 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 colander i i think you've probably seen these it is a syringe with surgical sponges in it that you simply Correct. Push into the wound. You you yes. you eject these sponges into the wound, and they will compress and stop the bleed.
0: But the key word there Correct. is they're surgical the, sponges. They are. <laughs> the,
2: there, there you go.
0: <laughs>
2: now, but is I, that any better or faster not, than uh,
1: using the right gauze and packing proper?
3: I think it is. There, there now, go. it's it's something that I would like to experiment with more. However, these things are very cost prohibitive. I think they're a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars each. For one of yeah, these yeah, syringes, and and yeah, that's not something I want half. to spend the money to play with.
1: There's no place in my trauma. Right? <laughs> Why not?
3: They, they they have been proven effective.
2: Now I will throw this out there. Um, um, when it comes actually even to tourniquet use, is that sometimes individuals don't even realize because there's no sight of blood uh, that an actual tourniquet should actually be applied. So if you actually have a, a breakage, a bone breakage, to where it's caused internal bleeding. But there's no external blood anywhere. People are like, why would you ever use a tourniquet? There's no blood. How do you? If there is what they call pooling, that can happen. So mm-hmm. if you start to see, so if it's a leg injury and you're starting to see uh, the toes, uh, the, the, the bridge of the foot into the ankle, everything's starting to swell and turn to different colors than what they should be, you should be applying a tourniquet as high as what you can to try and shut down that femoral and everything else, because there is blood loss happening, it's just contained in the body. Now, now so, not to
3: not to speak in cursive here, but what you're what you're describing is a subdermal hematoma.
2: That is correct. Yep. And subdural meaning what? It's not external. There's you're not going to have this massive pool of blood. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you see a lot of this stuff happen with these types of leg injuries uh, with guys that ride guys and gals that ride motorcycles. And when they you know, they get ready, you know, they're going to dump the bike or whatever, sometimes that natural just response from them throwing out a kickstand or whatever is they put a leg out. And then mm-hmm. next thing you know, boom, on top of that, you throw a machine that is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds on top of it, and then you slide on that beautiful, you know, highway cheese grater for a little while. Well,
3: let's, um, let's, let's, but, let's forget about the extreme sports. What about women that like to put their feet on the dash?
2: That in itself, I can tell you what. That will never, ever, ever get old where an airbag is not your friend because your feet are not where they're supposed to be. And that thing goes off. And next thing you know, it's not even a scorpion kick because you're looking at your own feet while they're punching you in the face. And what can happen usually is it's not a usually from knee down. It's from knee up where the break takes place in that instance.
3: Right. Because and... of the
2: airbag and the location of you in your seat and your posture and how the legs are up. And because I, the I, airbag is going to do the airbag's job,
3: <laughs> right? And, and and you see, you know, hip dislocations, pelvics yes. shattered. Yep, exactly. Um, because I those mean, airbags it, it deploy a beautiful it.
2: definition of kicking your own ass. I mean, it's yeah.
0: Well, and then you talked about tourniquet use with internal breakage. It, maybe that's a good time to talk about what you can't tourniquet.
2: Okay, you can't when tourniquet you cannot, the taint. If if you have a significant other that talks too much, you cannot put a tourniquet around their neck and slowly turn it until they get quiet. That's considered DV in a lot of states, so you can't (laughs) do that one. That's that's a non-TQ application. So as much as you just go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, you don't know, no, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna say I advocate against it. I'm gonna say no, 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 because here comes the popo. You've done you've done a bad thing. So yeah, no, tourniquet ter- use is designed for the arms and for the legs. It is not designed for if, if you have head trauma. Please don't put it around their neck, thinking that well I shut off the blood flow. And everything else Good so job. what are Light so ground. what are we We're gonna done.
3: use for something that's outside the limbs? Let's talk about uh shoulders, let's it. talk yeah, about groin, let's you know neck
2: well, especially so first and foremost when when it goes to neck, the key component that has to be done when it comes to neck is immobilization before you get into any specific one component uh instrument unit whatever. You have to immobilize the individual. If it is a, a, a where either you saw it or if they're telling you, I, I can't feel my feet, I can't move my fingers. You must immobilize the head, immobilize the neck, immobilize the body, if at all possible. Uh, not a lot of people realize that, too, that when someone gets uh, loss of consciousness, usually the point that they go out, is the brain usually correlates to the point when they come back, they're still in that same point. So if something traumatic was happening and when they lost consciousness and they come back, they may begin to flail or fight because all they're knowing is they're plugging right back in in that same moment, even though obviously time has gone by and the individual was unconscious. So stabilizing the head and neck before anything else, and that can be done something as simple as literally you kneeling down, putting a knee on either side of that person's head where your knees are touching their shoulders, not pressure on their shoulders, but touching their shoulders, and immobilizing that head and neck, and beginning to try and speak to the individual in a calm tone instead of screaming at them, going, I got that on my video, on my phone, it's going to go viral, that was amazing. Not really the best thing to throw out there with someone that's got that. What
3: about about Um, blood loss?
2: Blood loss? Okay. Anytime it comes to where you're looking at blood loss going into like in the neck area everything direct pressure first and foremost immediate and I'm talking immense now some people say, well wait a minute if they hurt their head or their neck, you said don't move it but if there's blood loss coming from the neck, you must have direct pressure you have to
3: so now we're Even talking if down the so now we're talking pressure go, bandage
2: exactly because w- without that you can immobilize the head and neck and you're just gonna sit there and watch that person bleed out right. Because whether they're conscious or not, there's still a level of adrenaline that is before they, they blacked out. There's still that level of adrenaline that's in the body. The heart rate is through the roof or even sporadic, which you'll be able to tell, especially if they're squirting, which that's a real thing. Uh, if the squirting is erratic, that means the heart rate is erratic. That means you, you could be borderline. They're getting ready to defib. You don't know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But I mean, and that's a whole that's a whole nother two and a half podcasts that could be done later um, the, the one thing I, I would actually back up to what Wilson was saying earlier uh, where he said now he carries a, a box of gloves in the vehicle and now he hasn't rolled up on any accidents you know and obviously Brandy could have shared that helpful tip with him years ago but she waited it's fine it's a learning thing um, but I also noticed stupid that should hurt individuals <laughs> well it should because it's called learning but she <laughs> it, just doesn't like me that much <laughs> so clearly, <laughs> uh, I tell people, you know, with, with whether it be an IFAC or, or whatever, put one of those in in your vehicle. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't take up a ton of space, and the the whole thing is, it's kind of like Brandy Wilson with you in the gloves. You pray you never need them.
3: Well, and I'm I'm a I'm huge gonna, difference, and I'm going to throw a plug out here because every one of us carries Dark Angel's header in our in our vehicles and it's it's a it's a ifac that lives on on your headrest in your vehicle okay. everyone you've got two tourniquets you've got pressure bandages you got chest seals you got gloves uh i i think there's an emergency blanket in there there's some other stuff in there gotcha. hemostatic gauze I mean, everything that you need to treat pretty severe accident injury um, yep. now Circling back a little bit, you know, Wilson had asked you, what what all do you carry in your med kit? Um, for me, it's a tourniquet, obviously. I carry gloves. Mm-hmm. I carry a pressure bandage. I carry hemostatic right. gauze. I carry chest seals. That's yep. pretty much the extent of it trauma shears. Yep. Trauma shears. Now in, in...
2: Yep tra- trauma shears are nice. They don't work too well with the ankle holsters though. I will put that out there right now because I... I've had people that have tried to even get the mini ones and they just come up missing. They um, always tend to pop out.
3: Go go with the like a, a ripper. Um I carry one oh, from gotcha. yep. uh benchmark.
2: Yep, rippers are good because they're just they're real small, but man, they're wickedly effective. Mm-hmm. Wickedly effective.
3: Because all you're trying to do um, is I, open it up, open up the clothing enough to deal with what you're what you've got.
2: Now, I will throw um, a, a plug out there for the guys over at Trauma Pack. Uh, great bunch of guys. And one of the things I love that those guys actually came up with and created is for. So if you do a firearms training course and you're the provider of that course, so you're, you're the instructor and the administrator and you're the one that puts on that course, they design a, a backpack system. That is designed to treat multiple emergency issues when it comes to trauma in the body, everything Um, on the outside of the backpack. I believe they have slots for I think it's they do I think it's six, eight and twelve tourniquets are set up and designed on the outside of the bag. When you open it up, it's a three tier system on the inside of the backpack and you you have multiples of everything Inside of their kit. Now you look at that and you go, well, that's a ton of money. Well, again, like I stated, if you're, if you're running, you know, a firearms training program or, or something like that, you're going to have lots of people with you. Corrado, I mean, I would imagine you've done one-on-one training, but when you and Brandier are running a, a class averages, you have multiples in that class. You, I mean, you probably have jumped into double digits before too with when it's like, whoo there's a lot to get done. There's a lot of people, right? So, you know, something along that line as well, or even away from all that, if you have a large family and you like to go do things as a big group or whatever, I'm telling you right now, having something like that, that goes with you guys, you'd be crazy not to. It's, it's never that you're, you're, you're hoping obviously for the worst, but in preparedness, there comes that sense of peace that at least you've got stuff that you're trained in. It's proper equipment that goes with you and it can actually service to to the masses. You know, I think you're going to actually start to see, um, you know, there's, there's definitely a shift when you look at at EMTs across the U S right now. Um, there's a lot of States right now that are actually allowing their EMTs to go and get firearms certified because some of the places where they show up, where they're trying to treat emergencies, it's actually, it becomes a hot zone again and there's gunfire. And these guys are just trying to provide, you know, that that instant care to where you can, you know, slow, stop the blood flow, get them loaded up in the ammo, and get them to a hospital. So now there's there's this cross training thing that's happening even with EMTs across the U.S. Well, because I, they're constantly, you know, they're 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 in it when they show up.
0: I do want to point out that when you are doing your blood sweep at the very beginning to find issues, and you see that you feel or see that the person is carrying disarm the person that's injured
2: thank you very 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 much for that statement brandy i completely agree disarming them because again especially if there's a loss of consciousness and they come back at the point that they went out they were fighting when they come back they may think that you're the person they need to fight and if they know where their firearm is they may go to that instantly so absolutely always um, also too, I, I, will put out there, there's some baseline questions when you're dealing with, with an individual that's injured, um, baseline questions that you can ask them, but the reality is keep the questions that you're asking them as basic as possible. Do your own assessment because you're the person that does not have the trauma introduced into your body. And what you're, you're talking about currently dealing with it,
3: what you're talking about is A and O's, uh, yes. alert, alert and orient. Um, and correct. and this is what we teach on how to assess for somebody going into shock. Because if you mm-hmm. if you start asking people questions and they're able to answer it, and five minutes later you come back and you start asking them more questions, and now they're not able to answer you, there's a problem.
2: That's correct. Well, you've, you've entered into another phase of the trauma that it, that is. That initially started, and now where basically the body is beginning to go.
0: Well, and my mother works for a hospital, and she told me how important it was that I knew how to call an A and O when you call 911 because a lot mm-hmm. of them now have two different kinds: they have the the paramedics and they have EMTs, and they have the choppers, and being able right. to give them an A and O. Lets them know the correct team to send mm-hmm. where you're at.
2: Yep. Yep. Very true. Also to assist in all three th- uh, three uh, individuals that Brandy was just speaking about. When it comes to tourniquet use, I understand in law enforcement everybody always goes with like a tactical black, a subdued black. Nobody wants that where it stands out. On the commercial side, the civilian side, I recommend get uh, so North American Rescue they came out with their Hunter Orange. It is that just stand out neon style orange. I lean towards those because that way, whenever you have medical arrive on scene, they are already able to see just literally as they're exiting the ambulance, they already know what limb is affected that required you to place a tourniquet on because they see it right off the bat. And please Not put a time in the on it. of day. <laughs> please, put yes, on possible, please, in please put a time, time on your tourniquet
0: in military time. Military time.
2: Yep, if if you know military time, absolutely. If you don't, at least put standard time. Um, but again, you know, like we stated earlier, there is no place on the string on the tampon to write the time. So good good luck with trying to figure that one out. It's, well, our, it's a real small our tourniquets
0: have a place for time.
3: <laughs> yep. Yep, it's on the it's yep. it's on the safety. Yep. And yes, tourniquets have a safety.
2: Yeah, that's right. You have to be able to put that strap across when you're putting the time down because that's also what holds the windlass in place. Mm -hmm. And I just explained to people, like, that's not an option on whether or not you want to throw that Velcro tab over the top and write the time down. That's a must because that's what's going to keep that windlass locked in place, especially if at any point in time we talk about hunting, fishing, camping, whatever, and you're remote. And that TQ got applied to buy you time, and now maybe you have to get mobile. The last thing you want is that windlass popping off, unwinding, and here we go.
3: So we're getting down to time here. Um, for, our, for our deer shooters, and, and, and we, we really try to speak to the new guys coming into the sport. Um, what are you If you had 30 seconds to tell these guys what they need and why medical is so important, what, what would you give to them?
2: In 30 seconds, the medical and the training behind the components that you have in your your IFAC are just as essential as you trying to marry up the proper optic with your weapon system and what type of ammunition you choose to put in it when you're going to go hunting. It is that important. Whether you're you're going to be tree stand, whether you're you know you're an individual in a duck blind, whatever it is that you're doing, however you're hunting, that medical equipment has to be with you and when i say equipment because that's what it is it's equipment that you're going to use to save a life and the one you save can definitely and most often it is your own because usually when you hunt the most you ever go with is a buddy but how many people choose to go alone here in alaska it happens all the time and as brandy stated back at the beginning of the podcast being in a heavily forested area it's uh it's even a challenge to potentially get life lighted out right so the gear that you carry with don't just have peace of mind because you purchased that gear and be more than just familiar with it. Understand the application process in it, because when you're at that point, that's all done under a calm environment. And as Wilson stated Uh, with the class that he took, it's different when your hands are covered in blood and somebody may be yelling, or maybe you, you get that auditory exclusion that happens when you introduce trauma into the body. And all you can hear is a jet airplane or a vacuum cleaner going off because it's a dampening, you know, of of what you're hearing. Um, and things just aren't feeling and, and, and feeling and seeing correctly because the trauma is introduced into your body. You're on the clock. And when I say this, it's not to be bleak or to be anything, but no one's coming in that moment. You are your own first responder. And a lot of people have seen that a lot through uh, the different social media platforms. Being a first responder for as long as I am, I'm telling you right now, when you're out doing your own thing, no one is coming in in that moment. You have to be your own first responder. You have to assess. You have to do application. You have to tend to those things in the order that need to be tended to. To shut off blood flow, to buy you time back on the clock, to start in the communication process after that for reaching out for help via phone, uh, whether you've got your spot locator, whatever it is that you've got, that comes right after you address what you have for trauma introduced to the body. And please always,
0: always, if you go on your own or even with just one buddy, let your family or somebody know where you are at.
2: and give them a time frame of when you will be reaching back out to them. Because if they don't hear from you, yes, they need to start worrying and start to try and reach out to you and see what's going on. So many times you get, Oh, well, he said he was going to go hunting today. That's it. They don't know location. They don't know solo with other people. They don't know what were they going hunting for? Like there, there's none of that back knowledge that would be needed, you know, even for whether it be a, a life flight, that's going out to save an individual where they're, you know, or paramedics, whatever it may be, there's so little information passed along. Everybody's running blind now. Don't be that person. Don't be that person.
3: No, and I I'm and totally I and I would with, add with Brandy. I I, I would add this. Um, the reason that we put such an emphasis on medical training, you know, we're we're firearms trainers, and that's what we do. But but the fact is, if you look at it statistically and the people that actually have to use their firearm for self-defense in an emergency situation versus the people that that deal with a medical emergency, you are far more likely to need the medical knowledge than you are the gun knowledge. And that's why we we put such such an emphasis on this. Um, For those of you just getting into firearms training and maybe you bought your first gun for self-defense, look at medical because I guarantee you, um, that knowledge is going to be more useful and more important than anything you learn on a gun range.
2: Very true very very true. And I also agree with what Brandy had said earlier uh, or and Wilson chiming as well it is perishable. you read up on that stuff like I said at minimum what once a year once a year I mean I, I put to people all the time how much time do you think you sit at the house wherever and you're looking at your phone? And if you equate all that out inside of a year, you, you could have actually done more than one multiple two-day medical courses, or multiple three or even five-day firearm courses for the amount of time you spent just looking on your phone.
3: Right. Exactly. I mean, right. all that
2: time equates. Yep. Um, I I will I will do do this though. Wilson and I we talked a little bit prior to this podcast, um, and I want to I want to steer this. Uh, towards this, which we talked a little bit about concerning uh, conceal and carry. And and Corrado, I know you provide a, a lot of knowledge and information in the classes that, that you teach on conceal and carry, and something that I wanted to touch on that as well is because nine times out of ten, uh, whether it be an, a range setting or individuals that go off to just shoot on their own in the backwoods or whatever, thinking that they're going to perfect their draw on conceal and carry and unfortunately there are times where it leads to uh which i don't consider there there's no such thing as an accidental discharge for coming from myself personally there is only a negligent discharge so due to some form of negligence that gun went off agreed usually it's always always in the form of of lack of training um so and especially when it comes to conceal and carry um crowd throw this the statue what is currently right now what is the most sought after style of conceal and carry on a weapon
3: probably appendix
2: i totally agreed i mean we has navigated away from the days of just inside the waistband uh used to obviously used to be outside the waistband then inside the waistband and now we're at appendix carry um which appendix carry it is when when trained correctly it is in a very very fast effective way to retrieve the firearm now what i want to do is before we even get into that whole appendix uh, style carry and 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 some of the thought process behind it my first thing is is again i'm going to throw the ego card out there and please only purchase a weapon system that you can control especially through proper training provided to you and when i say control is bigger is not always better the same thing is not only from a conceal and carry weapon, but it also applies to if you carry a, a secondary weapon system in your vehicle. Bigger is not always better. Only go with what you know that you can control, be effective with, and be accurate with. I, I Sometimes I, I see different setups and I... I don't feel safe, so it it makes me want to immediately leave the area. I mean, I don't know who you're trying to impress, and I will just simply put this out there. The person will remain nameless, uh, but I saw it. But a Smith & Wesson 500 series in an appendix carry, I'm just going to go with the new definition of overkill.
3: Overkill or overcompensation?
0: he has a teeny weenie.
2: Bingo. It's, it's, well, I mean, it, I guess you could describe it as, well, I want to increase the bulge of my pants. Okay, whatever, but it, you're,
0: Well, if he you're pulls the not... trigger as he pulls it out of that appendix carry, he's going to have a teeny weenie.
2: It would be vapor teeny weenie. There like, <laughs> won't be anything left. I mean, it's just vaporized. you Those know. It, called maybe hot that's pants. part of
3: the...
2: <laughs> Yeah, I just, I don't, I I don't understand that. I like, that was one that I saw that it just, there was a major cringe moment. Um, Other individuals, when they, they choose that, well, I want to do appendix carry, but I only carry full size.
3: Brandy just lit up.
2: Uh, Oh, she says she's fine. Oh, just full size. I don't, appendix carry is designed for those compacts, those subcompacts that, I mean, it, Full size. I, I, in appendix, I don't understand. I I
3: I, I run okay. a Hellcat, and and okay. and honestly, and, and 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 it kind of made me mad because Springfield came out uh, yesterday. It was April first, and Springfield did an April Fools' thing, and they had the Hell Cow, and it was a cow print <laughs> Hellcat. And I swear to God, if it was real, I'd order one because it kind of well, cool.
2: You go. See, and you're like, why is this got to be a joke? Uh, be right? Because
3: I I would order <laughs> one. <laughs>
1: I know a guy that will paint you one.
3: I, I, I need to get it done. <laughs> I've I've got the, I've I got, got a Hellcat that.
0: Pro. I want to get right. it done. And every time it goes off, <sighs> it goes moo.
2: Moo. just it has <laughs> to give me a break. That's an absolute bust.
0: I I swear to God,
3: I'm I'm going to de- I'm going to design a break for your six five PRC because it's six dollars around. Everything every time that thing goes off, it's going to go cha ching.
2: There you go. That'd, that'd be perfect.
3: I, I that's how I'm going to make my fortune. I'm going to sell these brakes to everybody that's shooting a $4 or round or over.
2: And when the credit card just folds over itself, you'd be like, oh, that's it. We're out of money. That's it. It's gone. Yep, the card died. Can't (laughs) shoot no more. That's how it works.
1: (laughs) This is talking from a guy who took his truck and had to ground it from its financial ability. I did. He took his credit card away from his truck because it would order its own parts.
2: Well, see? That's a problem, you I, know, and the first step in a problem is what? Identifying the problem. I, I
3: identified the problem because, <laughs> yep. fortunately, he asked my permission first before it started, like, ordering services, and I'm like, no, you don't get the credit card.
2: Good grief. Oh, my god! Hey, Dad, I need new shoes.
3: I need new shoes, Dad. I need new shoes. <laughs> I need new shoes. Not the ones you were picking out.
2: Yeah, really, exactly. If you don't get the fancy ones, put those back. You get the two lefts. So that's how it works.
1: <laughs> I'm a $90,000 truck. I'll get the shoes I want to get. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, Dad, I just scheduled service for the new shoes. Uh,
3: yeah, exactly. there
2: you go. And you're like, wait, what? Wait, what? Yeah.
3: So take your credit card away from your vehicle. He
1: was like, there's nothing there wrong go. with the old shoes.
3: <laughs> so.
2: Spoken it, like a true dad. Love it. To wrap this
3: up, I mean. And and I think I every time we talk about training and every time we talk about new shooters getting into this, we talk about the medical and how important it is. And I know every class that we run, uh, we do. And we spend probably 30 minutes talking about medical because it is so important in what we do and where we live. And, and, and that, that goes for all of us on this podcast today. Mm-hmm. We're... We don't have that level one trauma center that's seven minutes away. That's, that's not how no. we live. Um, that's correct. So, so and we, we chose
2: to live where we chose to live for a reason. We did. You know, we, we like that wide open spaces. We, we like that a little bit farther away from your next door neighbor kind of life. That's what we chose. That's right. But keep going. Keep going.
3: But we, that's, why we, that's why we push the medical because you're absolutely right. Where we live in the lifestyle that we have chosen, we are on our own. And, and increasingly in this world, uh, even, even living in an urban area, you're on your own um, yep. because this stuff happens so fast. If you can't take care of it yourself, uh, you, the consequences are dire. So mm-hmm. we want to push this as, as something that you should really consider in your training and continue to evolve it. Again, this is a perishable skill uh yep. continuing education and getting re-upped and learning from different instructors learning new techniques and and the way things are being being done now so to all of you out there get your firearms training but get your medical training too because it's just as important absolutely and until absolutely next week agreed. this is Deer shooter saying stay safe out there